We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on local now, channel 525. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. And I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. It's earnings season, and Coca-Cola is doing its part. It's all about, not the S&P 500, it's not all about 30 stocks in the Dow Jones, it's average. The NASDAQ's a market-weighted index, so as Intel, Microsoft, uh, Google do, so does the index, right? So, it's not, we're not going to put it all on one company. But on a day-by-day basis, we, we try to extract things. With Coca-Cola, they did something kind of fun this quarter. They partnered with Netflix to bring new Coke to promote its third season of Stranger Things, which kind of has a nostalgic kitsch back to the 80s, right? But they also introduced Coca-Cola Plus Coffee in more markets. Who knew you needed Coca-Cola Plus Coffee? But when you look at Coca-Cola, you look at Brazil, you look at Mexico, you look at um, other countries. It's not just about going to your local... 7-Eleven get a massive size big gulp that might as well sell you dialysis while they're selling you the big gulp, right? But in the UK, Coca-Cola introduced something called Costa Coffee. Since it acquired the UK coffee brand in, I don't even know when, a few years back for about $5.1 billion. The canned coffee drinks contain double shots of espresso and will launch in Poland and China by the end of the year. We may never see them here. That's kind of a cool thing, uh, whether you're McDonald's or you, whether you're Coca-Cola. Some of your regions see different strengths from soda or from water or for sports drinks or for uh, juices uh, or for plant-based beverages. I know you're saying plant-based beverages. Uh-huh. We got that going for us now. U.S. existing home sales fell 1.7% in June versus a two-tenths percent drop expected. Uh, that's one of the big economic headlines out there. We're dealing with Harley-Davidson saying uh, we're not selling as many high-end large bikes as we want to. And in fact, the millennials, which again, it's kind of interesting. If you go to San Francisco, if you go to New York, you're going to see just more and more people on bicycles. And it's a lovely and beautiful thing as it's saving pollution, it's saving gasoline, it's it's great on a lot of levels. I worry because I think the safety issues are, a lot, how shall we say, a lot more fatal. So bigger bikes are falling out of favor with younger riders. Sale of Harleys, which make considered big bikes. To give you an idea, uh, like a Honda Nighthawk or... Uh, if you go into some of the faster Japanese motorcycles, they're more like rockets instead of big bikes. That's a big bike. So sales of big bikes are engines that are 600 cubic centimeters or bigger, 600 cc's. Um, and as you get bigger, they turn in like horses. If you ever get onto a Harley 1000, it's you, you have to spread your legs to get around that thing. It's a big 
big old rocket between your legs. Like it's huge. And that's just not as it's just not as compelling to millennials right now. Now that's not to say in 10, 20 years from now they'll come out with a TV show that talks about the nostalgias of the the 2000s and the 2010s and the 2020s. Um, and maybe big bikes will come back in, but that's a problem. And Harley has to build more roads to them to get ridership up. There's nothing that is a great thrill, better than a roller coaster being on a, a nice motorcycle and just uh, a beautiful 80 degree day. It's pretty nice. Anyhow, and anyway, markets are moving higher right now. Um, we don't judge that on a day-by-day basis. I'm trying to wean you off of that. We try to look at it on a quarterly basis, on an annual basis, on a three-year basis, on a five-year basis, on a seven-year basis. So, for instance, if you have seven years till you need the money, you can take a look at a seven-year chart of something like a Coca-Cola or a McDonald's or a Nike or a Visa and say, does this make sense for me for the next seven years? Now, again, we haven't had a major recession in the last seven so maybe you want to factor in the last time we had a major recession go out like 12 years to see what the economy, what the stock can do in a good economy and a bad economy. Today, the IMF is cutting global growth forecasts amid trade fears. That's a big one. It's a bummer when growth numbers get cut. In large part, people will be making less money. People will have less revenue. You see where the problem comes in. Um, it's no good. It's bad. Uh, so IMF cutting numbers is not a positive. Elizabeth Warren is tripling down on canceling student debt. Um, we'll see how she does in the polls in the next couple of weeks. And uh, I don't want to comment too much on every presidential candidate's effect on the economy because it's kind of early, if you know what I'm saying. But uh, Wall Street fears her pretty well because she's gone after banks pretty well. And now student loan debt, anytime you lend money, you expect to get it back. Um, even people who lend money to students. And you could say they've taken advantage of students, and I don't doubt that in any way, shape, or form. And uh, that is a problem. So we got that to deal with, predatory lending. That happens so many places. Predatory everything. Amazon could miss on guidance for this quarter, one analyst says. Uh, this is a big time for tech companies. A uh, lot of earnings this week on tech companies. And I want you to pay attention to it. Wednesday, we get Facebook. One analyst just said Amazon cut expectations. Um, that's Thursday, we get Amazon and Google. Wednesday, we get Facebook. Facebook, we're looking at a $5 billion Federal Trade Commission settlement. Thursday, we get Amazon and Google. This year's Amazon's Prime Day will not be included in the second quarter numbers because it happened too late in the month of July. So it'll go into the third quarter. The $800 million investment to enable one-day shipping for Amazon. It's probably going to hurt their quarter. Google, they've got FTC settlements. They've got child privacy on YouTube. Big tech is right now kind of fully charged, and they're, they're doing their best as industry giants. We'll see in the coming days how their earnings and their revenues look. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Find me online at newfocusfinancial or robblackshow.com. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. The odd meat stock has done so well that investors aren't thinking rationally. There may be no juice left in that beefy steak trade. Beefy Burger, I guess is the right way of saying it. It's a plant-based protein company, which is a buzzword. Social media buzzwords, right? 
um, artificial intelligence, drones. You kind of see where Wall Street kind of likes these fun ideas. Stock's up over 580% since its early IPO. So you could say the investors and the investment bankers got it wrong. In theory, they could have priced this stock 500% higher and made more money for themselves and for the owners of the product. So they report earnings on the 29th. And I would say you want to be out of the stock by the 29th. Beyond Meat is the new Tesla. And Tesla's got some problems. Of If you watch how the stock went for three years, nothing but up, how did it ultimately end? It's been struggling. And a lot of investors have lost money. So Beyond Meat is the new Tesla. It's the latest cult stock. There's something on Wall Street called the cult of what is working now. Beyond Meat is a different kind of stock, precisely at the right time, in my opinion. We need a hero. We need something that we could focus on. We need something that doesn't have old world worries. Beyond Meat isn't counting on China. Beyond Meat isn't counting on Donald Trump. He only eats fish fillets at McDonald's. He's not a impossible burger kind of guy. When you use discounted cash flows, you're basically throwing down a lot of... I, I'm not allowed to say this word on radio. You're throwing down a lot of crap on how to value a company. And when you're starting to use discounted flow analysis, you're telling me, who knows a little something about how to value companies, like, this is the only way we know how to do it. Because we can't do it on earnings. We can't do it on sales. We can't do it on margins. Um, one analyst is looking out 10 years on the stock. Do you see why I'm saying this is the church of what's working now? One analyst is modeling for 2029 sales of $4.9 billion. One analyst is calling for $3.5 billion by the year 2029. Now, you look at your calendars real quick. And you're like, holy crap, that's 10 years from now. That's what you're investing in the next 10 years. You're not investing in the now. You're investing in the next 10 years with the current valuation. So on the 29th of July, when they report numbers, you might say this tasty trade tastes a little sour. You know, you give your kid a ham and cheese on bread and turns out the bread's rotten and blue in the middle and your kid goes, mom, I don't want to eat this. It's blue. And the mom looks at it. She goes, holy mackerel. <laughs> like, whoops. Anyhow, I want to bring up uh, something that I saw yesterday. I've been doing financial radio for 20 plus years. I've told you stories about people I've used to work with, people that I didn't like. I once came across Ray Lucia and, uh, I was being paid to do radio, and he was paying to do radio, and he was the biggest jerk to me. He just wasn't a kind man, and I could tell he was going to go down at some point, and he did. Uh, he ran a broker and an advisory firm, so his financial advisors would say, hey, I think you should buy this stock, and they'd go to his brokerage company and buy that stock. Hey, I think you should buy this insurance product, and they go to his brokerage company, and that's it's kind of illegal um, because you're making it on both ways in and out. And if it's not disclosed that you're like the fattest whale and there's a fishing boat, you know, sending harpoons into you, it, it's a pretty big conflict of interest. So yesterday uh, I ran across a friend of mine sent me a news article about a guy that used to be in the industry at the time. His name was Damon Vickers. And what's interesting is the article that he sent to me um, is the same guy that I know, Damon Vickers. And now he's up in a very rural part of Washington. He's lost his license to practice financial advisory. 
and to give advice and trades. So he's out of the industry. And yet, in this article, he's been arrested on assault and battery uh, by state troopers and a battery charge with a dangerous weapon, which, again, it leaves it to speculation, right? On top of it, he had to place bail and wear a GPS device. There, there might have been a child involved. So the case against Vickers may involve alleged child abuse. And you're like, whoa, this guy was on radio. This guy, you, like he used to like, his stick was he tried to say anything that I didn't. Like I'm like, hey, the market was up seven out of 10 years. And he goes, market could go to zero. IBM could go to zero. Now, I never liked IBM, so he was picking a fight with me that I didn't care about. But he'd get on TV and just, he just came across as this like I'm smarter than you and the market's going a lot lower a lot lower I tell you and you have to be weary of charlatans um, and people when I looked at his and this is something I do I'll look at their records and he, he had been basically caught hitting a homeless person who was trying to wash his windows in New York which if you ever get in New York it's annoying the, as soon as you get into the over the bridges like Everyone's trying to ask for a buck or two kind of thing. And if you don't give it to them, they're mad at you. Or if they clean your window and then they ask for money and you don't give them money, they're mad at you. Because, like, hey, I just cleaned your window. Why didn't you tell me now? And you're like, well, I didn't want to talk to you because you're kind of scary. And you're... Um, he hit one of those guys with a baseball bat. So I knew he had some problems. And he'd get on Fox all the time. And he'd talk about the markets going to zero and how he's the smartest and such. And I've got a friend in radio who sends me all these updates like... There's a guy who used to do a, a strategy, and he sounded holier than thou, and he lost everything. Uh, he lives with his kid, and like he would never tell you that. There's a guy who um, does a, a real estate show, and he doesn't even own a home. <laughs> he lives with his dad, and that bothers me enormously. Um, so anyway, there's a lot of fakes out there. Just be cautious. This segment brought to you by... NBC's, and now you know. There's a lot of charlatans. And typically, the louder and crazier they are, the less likely they actually know anything. So, a friend of mine does sports radio or does sports television, Vern Gladden. And he posted something on Facebook the other day. I like him. He's got like a 20 year old kid, 22 year old kid, 20 year old kid, and 18 year old kid. And they're all huge, massive, giant swimmers. So, he's one of those people I like to see where his life's gone. He posted something basically saying, you know, hey, I just watched Gordon Ramsay for the first time. How's this guy on? He's so mean. And at one point in time when my show was national, I, I auditioned for a national TV show. And they're like, yeah, that's really great that you're smart. And yeah, it's really great that you're getting people involved. But can you scream at them? I'm like, no. They wanted me to scream at people. Like, that $400 pair of shoes. Now your kid's not going to college. Uh, I'll do it my way. So... <laughs> Try to do it with love and care and not being a charlatan and not getting you too hopeful or too too freaked out. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show. Don't forget there's a new website out there called newfocusfinancial.com with a lot of new content. Check it out. Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and Your Money live on the Bay Area Airwaves. Weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW and streaming live on the KDOW radio app or KDOW.biz. One of my favorite things to do is to learn. I wasn't always like that, but working on Wall Street, it's so cool because you get to see new technologies. You get to see dominated businesses. You get to see politicians interact with CEOs. There's a lot of drama. 
Uh, one of my favorite things to do is start my day at briefing.com and seeing what's happening at CNBC, seeing what's happening at Bloomberg International, and tying it together with what's happening over at Briefing. Briefing does a nice job of taking analyst notes and disseminating them for you. Um, giving you a lot of content at briefing.com. Joining me now to talk a little bit about briefing.com and much, much more. Um, how are you today, sir? Hey, hey, Rob. I'm doing fine. Thanks. Good to be back with you. Mr. O'Hare, it's summertime. Are you feeling the summer doldrums or are you getting excited about earnings season? You got to choose a side. Which one are you on? <laughs> well, I'm actually I'm excited about earnings season because there, there's always something to discuss as it relates to uh, to the earnings, whereas you get into those you know those those quiet periods where uh, you don't have much going on. It can make for some really long, lazy summer days at work. <laughs> yeah, today um, one of the ones that kind of has me interested is Pulte Homes, and Briefing's got it covered really well on the conference calls and what Pulte's saying. And it's in, it's big because obviously it teaches us a lot about housing in markets like Texas and Florida, but also it teaches a lot about how high end housing, mid end housing is going, interest rates, are they pulling people in? It's it, mortgages and real estate's big business. So I appreciate the work briefings done on Pulte Group today. But anything in particular in earnings season? I saw you started a little bit with Coca Cola, and they're helping the market uh, get a little little fizzle today. Right. Uh, well, you know, I think what you had today, you had a collection of companies uh, across uh, a, you know, a large number of sectors that all came in and, and not only exceeded consensus earnings estimates for the June quarter, but also provided encouraging guidance you know, for coming periods as well. And, uh, you know, it was nice to see that, frankly, that uh, it's kind of a reinforcement uh, of the view and, and really what we've seen throughout the year where you've had um, some pretty good participation in this this rally to record highs. Uh, so it suggests to you that you can kind of make a case, you know, that that move has been validated by, um, you know, by a, you know, relatively decent uh, earnings performance uh, that matches very well with very low interest rates. And, and you know, and it's that factor that uh, I think helps this uh, situation of, you know, multiple expansion persists. And so, uh, you know, granted, we kind of have a market that is stalling out a little bit here, obviously, after a huge run through the first half of, of 2019. Uh, but for the time being, I think that the market is somewhat comforted by the understanding that you're getting uh, earnings results out of the consumer staple sectors, the industrial sectors, the, the healthcare sectors, the uh, technology sectors, uh, and so on that are, are reasonably good. And yet, this week, we're going to get even more out of technology. I think we get Google on Thursday, we get Facebook on Wednesday. So, these are times that I absolutely love because uh, you look back at the last 90 days and, man, Facebook really messed it up. Man, they really have issues with privacy and security. And then you're going to see their earnings are probably going to knock it out of the roof. And uh, the stock will probably rally because they've kind of been under-promising and over-delivering now for quite a while. Can I ask you about that thought of under-promising and over-delivering and financial engineering? And it seems like you said yesterday in your page one column, an overwhelming majority of companies are beating earnings expectations. But I would be interested, are they beating the expectations from 90 days ago? Are they beating the lowered expectations from 30 days ago? Let's talk a little bit about financial engineering and your thoughts on what we're seeing. Well, of course, that is kind of the standard as it relates to an earnings season, right? You, uh, you get earnings estimates that start out, you know, 
uh, higher. Uh, and then as the quarter goes on, any analysts get more information, uh, more information comes available to them about what's happening in the broader economy, you know, and what might be happening in a, a micro-oriented situation. Uh, you typically see their estimates come down, and they oftentimes get overly conservative, which, of course, sets a very low bar then for these companies to come in and, and exceed the uh, last published consensus earnings estimates right before the quarter started. And, and, and to your point, Rob, you know, uh, we always do talk about these things in terms of uh, earnings being, quote, better than expected. But, you know, more often than not, uh, they're not better than what was expected when, when that estimate was first published. Um, all that said, um, you know, history and experience uh, has shown me that, you know, the market kind of cares more about, you know, what these companies are doing for them now, you know, and uh, and as it relates to satisfying earnings expectations, it's really you got to get over that last hurdle, and uh, and uh, whether it's a low one or a high one, if companies can exceed those uh, earnings estimate hurdles, it, it sort of calms uh, market sentiment and, and can actually excite market sentiment, uh, and particularly in this scenario where you have a market that's looking forward to uh, the back half of the year and the early portion of 2020, and expects earnings estimates to uh, to pick up quite considerably. And so, uh, if it doesn't hear anything too daunting in the guidance, it's going to continue to cling to that expectation and will continue to ride the uh, the Fed put for all it's worth uh, as it as it moves uh, across the bridge to that uh, to that period. I saw some pretty interesting stories on the trade war with China. Two of them, uh, in particular, is that Hawaii is seeing a lot fewer Asian tourists uh, due to I guess tariff issues and some uh, taxes and such, but uh, that was one story. So Hawaii and fewer tourists. Then another story was uh, Yao Ming's winery in Napa is struggling because they export the wine back and the tariffs are killing them. So they're going to move jobs from Napa to China to make wine in China. We're so used to hearing about tech companies moving manufactured out of China to somewhere else. But it has a reverse effect. What, what's your thoughts? And maybe not on that, but overall on what's happening with the U.S.-China trade war, because it's been lingering now since 2017. It's 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 an issue. It is, and you know, I think uh, you know, I look at it obviously uh, as a market analyst, and you see where the market is right now, and you know, market uh, is pretty clearly not overly concerned uh, so far. By, by what it's hearing and seeing as it relates to uh, the tariff issue and the trade battle between the U.S. and China. Yes, it has some air pockets here and there, um, but you don't get to record highs if you're just, uh, you know, completely anxious about uh, about all of that breaking breaking down. Now, we do think it, it does pose a market risk, though, uh, the longer that it goes on, because you probably will start seeing more and more in um, – in earnings guidance, uh, the the impact of those uh, of those tariff actions and and that's uh, you know right now as I mentioned earlier the market's looking forward to a to more of an earnings ramp in 2020 than anything else and if this uh, trade war continues to linger or gets dialed up a notch uh, then those earnings estimates are are obviously going to be at risk and the market will have to rethink that and you likely see uh, some um, turbulence uh, as those earnings estimates get uh, get recalibrated. 
All good stuff, but I've been monopolizing your time. In the last two or three minutes, I tend to say, Mr. O'Hare, is there anything you're working on? Any softballs, any, any things? Because I'm focused on lower interest rates and earnings, and that's kind of my story right now. How about you? What, uh, what are you looking at that might be uh, relevant down the road? Right. Well, you know, the 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 easy answer, Rob, is, is obviously earnings right now. I mean, you're yeah. having we've got about uh, about 20% of the S&P 500 that will have reported earnings by the end of this week. And as you alluded to earlier, you're getting some real heavyweights that are going to come out here: the Facebooks, the Alphabets, uh, the Amazon.com. Uh, and I think we're going to get uh, you know a good sense uh, here by the end of the week, you know, where this market wants to go over the very short term anyway, um, you know, we've seen a, a large number of companies beat earnings estimates, yet the market has sort of gone sideways to slightly lower here since the beginning of earnings season, which would suggest that a lot of the good news has been priced in, and perhaps there's some reservations ahead of these big mega-cap companies that are going to report. So, I'm going to be keeping a close watch on them and how the market responds to, uh, to those results. Thank you very much. It's Mr. O'Hare, Patrick O'Hare with Briefing.com. I start my day every day with his content. I think it's some of the best out there, but the whole briefing.com complex is is pretty awesome. Um, they do a really nice job of summing up what's happening on the market. And if you see or hear a headline story in, say, something like uh, CNBC or Bloomberg or even a financial radio update when I'm not on the air here in the commercials, if you go to their site, you'll hear a little bit more about it. You'll see a little bit more about it. Um, I really dig the content. So the IMF, they released the whole IMF Global Economic Report at uh, briefing.com. Again, a good international and domestic source of information. Uh, talking about the global growth is forecast to grow at about 3.2% in 2019, picking up from 3.5% in 2020, uh, picking up to 3.5% in 2020, so 3.2 in 2019, 3.5 in 2020. But so far, they are still a little bit worried. Risks that we forecast, they say, are in the downside. So if today is a sunny day, but clouds are forming, you know, couple miles out, you could say, hey, it's a sunny day, but it could rain later. That's kind of what they're saying. Um, the IMF, and I, I find the IMF fascinating. It's one of those uh, super powerful companies that uh, has kind of an international conglomerate spy feel to it. So, big rumor out of 9to5Mac, their big rumor source of, get this, all things Apple. And they see three phones coming out for the iPhone 11 models this fall. Most people that I'm hearing in the analyst community are saying, let's not even care about this year. Let's wait till 5G to like get excited. And remember how I was looking at Beyond Meat for you just a second ago? Uh, with Beyond Meat, you're looking at 10 years to make a valuation that looks right. So with Apple, you're looking out to 5G to say, what could the next big catalyst be? The iPhone 11 models are right now are known as D42, D43, and N104, uh, which is the iPhone 12 one, the iPhone 12 5-inch, uh, and the iPhone 2-3. Uh, so a lot of leaks are coming out now because that technology on the new phones is going to be released soon. You can find out more about me by going to robblackshow.com. That's robblackshow.com. New content at the website, newfocusfinancial.com. Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at kdow.biz or on the KDOW radio app. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. We talk about millennials and Generation Z all the time. Um, You know, kids copy each other, so you kind of start lumping them together. Difference is pretty glaring on how Generation Z and Millennials are different than baby boomers. 
and what it means for business and society. We look at the soft and dewy-eyed millennial, how they see the world in a different way. Young people today love that phrase. It's always a great phrase. It'll always be a great phrase. Are, are just that. They're young now with predictably fresh ideals that will soon enough age them in short. It's like the 1960s. Young people in that day had these great ideals that they ultimately sold out for BMWs later in life. So we look at millennials and we, we start looking at some of the historical and societal developments of the past few decades, the tumult of the 60s, the changing world in the 70s, 80s, the, you know, the flattening of the world, so to speak, and the fall of communism in Berlin. It just opened up the door a lot. But we look at millennials and Generation Zers as the they've conducted life through a, a cell phone. Um, it's the coming of the age. They've seen a couple of recessions, and they, they, they don't forget them. But yet they also invest in funny ways where uh, – They'll stick with a stock just because it's the right principle. You know, the Beyond Meat thing, it's the right principle. Let's move away from killing animals to killing plants. I'm just throwing it out there. Um, taking a look at how we're going to connect the millennials to the future, I try to do the best I can. And, um, you know, like the iPhone, we've learned that the millennials aren't really brand loyal. So I was, but as an investor, I have to know that the next generation's not, and the next generation after that's not. So I grew up on Nikes and Coca-Cola and ultimately you know, Apple or Microsoft, and I've been loyal to those stocks and those investments. Apple made it easier to transfer data from an old iPhone to a new iPhone with its most recent iOS 12.4 update. Making things easier. You don't need an iCloud backup if you don't have one, or you just need all you need is your old phone near your new one, and they're kind of figuring out to set it up for you. Uh, I like using the beta software of Apple because I can kind of start seeing where they're going. And it's not that revolutionary, but making your phone transfer data to a newer phone is all about ease, and people like ease. Um, and literally the icons look like transfer from iPhone or download from iCloud. Pretty cut and dry, pretty fascinating stuff in my opinion. Bubbles always tend to happen. I want to talk about 10 bubbles that I'm, I'm concerned about, and I can go in order if you, we want to. Number 10, uh, exchange-traded funds and index funds. In the last 5, 10 years, a lot of people have gotten onto ETFs because they're lower cost than mutual funds. So we're all doing very similar things in our investments. And you're up 20% this year, and you're probably doing it through a lot of exchange-traded funds and index funds. That's a bubble. We don't know how that's going to play out when things go tough. Number nine, software and cloud stocks. Software as a service and cloud computing stocks have seen significant multiple expansion. You're seeing a pretty big run as far as valuations go. Um, people love them last year, and they love them even more this year. It's a stretched valuation. Number eight in my world of bubbles, growth and momentum stocks. Um, we could do no harm with Facebook, Apple, Amazon, and Netflix, as well as Google's Alphabet. We could do no harm until we can do some harm. All five of those stocks have seen multiple expansion over the past 12 months beyond fundamentals? Or is there another wave of really kick-butt earnings? It's a bubble question. Number seven, 
cryptocurrencies and cannabis. In my world of bubbles, there's little inherent value in cryptocurrencies. Bitcoin's rise to the peak of 18,674 back in 2017 was one of the earlier signs of frothiness. And then right after that came Aurora Cannabis and Cannabis Growth that took off, traded sideways, and started to pull back. Um, the business of growing marijuana is not that difficult. You can grow weeds pretty easily, and they're tough to kill in your yard. Same idea with marijuana. Number six, unprofitable IPOs are a bit of a negative for me. A bubble that goes back to the 90s tech bubble, where all we said, all you got to do is grow your revenue. And you can take a look at Uber and Lyft as having huge valuations and no earnings, i.e. unicorns. But that transferred over into like Beyond Meat and transferred over into some other stocks as well. Uh, Chewy, the website for dog lovers and dog food. People who love dog food? No, dogs love dog food. Number five on the world of bubbles, uh, Bank of Japan balance sheet. Japan's economy is worse than the United States. Their debt compared to their GDP is worse than the United States. So we kind of have a model of what we're going to look like down the road and how our equity indices and you know covering losses in the future are going to look like. Number four on my world of bubble debt uh, is European debt. Uh, Portugal, Italy... Ireland, Greece, Spain, they're not getting a lot better, and their economies are are sideways at best. And when you have debt, you have to pay it back, and you typically pay it back with a little bit of interest. And if you're not growing fast in that interest, your debt's becoming a problem. We got U.S. leveraged loans, a problem in the United States. Companies have more debt and fewer protections for investors. Um, measures of corporate profitability have been watered down, and that's not good. Number three, uh, number two in my world of debt bubbles, um, it keeps coming down to debt, right? Corporate debt, and number one would be government debt. We continue to expand our federal debt. Um, it's ridiculous. We are expanding our economy by basically issuing debt, which is ridiculous. Wish we had some like really smart people out there that were expanding our economy with like nuclear fusion and stuff like that, but that's not what's doing it. So a lot of buybacks from borrowing money is financial engineering. There's some bubbles out there. I'm not worried, but they're on my radar. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show.